0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Chicago Bears beat the Tennessee Titans 27-24 in their final preseason game with a really nice Justin Fields touchdown pass as they get set for their 53-man roster cutdowns. I break down the game with Brandon Robinson on this episode of Bear With Me. what's going on everybody and welcome back to bear with me a chicago bears podcast hosted by yours truly robert schmitz right here on the windy city gridiron podcasting network and we are coming to you right after this bears third preseason game final exhibition game of the 2021 season has wrapped up and i've brought along a friend one of my rule of rule of three co-hosts brandon robinson here to break down the game brandon how you feeling what would you think of the game Uh, I'm
1: feeling great. I mean, you don't you don't get excited for many preseason games, but one where you get your franchise, you hope your franchise quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years starting. it's, It's a pretty exciting game.
0: No kidding. And I feel like as much as I feel like there's there's a lot of tension building in the Chicago Bears franchise right now. I feel like within the fans, the fan base, definitely, maybe even within the locker room surrounding Justin Fields. When will he start? When won't he start? But I actually feel like we got a pretty clear answer about something this evening. If nothing else, I want to throw this at you. Uh, you know what? I'll just start with you. What did you think about the offensive line, Brandon? First time we've seen the starters in. Uh I mean, I
1: don't want to be I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I mean it was it was pretty bad. I mean that that should be expected among the fan base by now, but I, I just feel like it's it's not. You got a you got a really old left tackle, you got Jermaine Fetty who Fetty who's on a one-year deal, a guy that I, I was hoping would take the next step after you showed promise at the end of the end of last year. I mean, you hope he grows just because this was his first game, but I mean, if this is what we're going to see the whole season, I mean, they're pretty, they're, I mean, for lack of better words, they're pretty screwed at tackle. And I, 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 there's just, there's not much you can do as an offense when you're, when you're bad at both spots without any backups. I mean, they don't, they don't have the next guy. Like a lot of people would would say Boram, but I mean, you you can't count on a a fifth round rookie to to be the next man up. You have to you have to have somebody else, and the Bears just don't have anybody else. So, I mean, as far as the outlook on the season goes for the O line, it's not good. I think that's part of the reason why Matt Nagy doesn't want to necessarily let the reins go with Justin Fields, which I, which I personally <laughs> think that's just fine. I mean, he can, he can learn watching Andy Dalton run around, but I think it just in my personal opinion, it's not a, it's not a good idea to create bad habits and a battle line to create bad habits.
0: Hey, look, one thing I thought you said really, really well was talking about Borum and saying that you can't count on him yet. The bears fan out there that's saying, Hey, you know what? If Borum got thrown out in th- th- thrown in there, maybe he'd succeed they might be right but like you said you can't count on it and given that they're already probably using that emergency offensive tackle in jates and peters that they called him off of what was it his fishing dock like they're they're pretty <laughs> strapped if you would if we were being positive i think what we could say like the bright side of it would be that Jason Peters is, what was this, his second week of practice after having to recondition and get right back into football shape because first pictures of him, he's a huge, huge dude. And you got to imagine he will come down in weight a little bit to get to more of a leaner weight. And Jermaine, Jermaine fady specifically is coming off of the pup list. So who knows? Maybe there's a little bit of rust. But I unfortunately have to agree with you that when I look back through this offensive, like, what was it? The, yeah, When I look back through the play sheet, I'm seeing a whole lot of runs for not a whole lot of yards. They got six yards off of like a zone run with a read option action on it. And then from there, it was just up to the offensive line to generate some push. And I don't think anything was more obvious than getting jam stuffed on third and two and fourth and two. Now, here's a question. I've seen a lot of talk about play calling in the preseason and i feel like you've got more experience around actually being part of the game when it comes to preseason and games that don't count do you actually try as silly as it sounds are you trying to score every drive the same way that you are in the regular season or are you trying to kind of test things out and see what will be there when games start to count
1: well in in my in my experience play calling and and coaching i mean the the preseason is where you're 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 trying to basically lay out your foundation of plays and your scheme and and get those plays going. So what's, what you're, what your what you trying what the bears would be trying to do is they would be trying to get their wide zone plays going, they would try to get their boots play boots plays going. They would try to get their plays off of those going, but they're not necessarily going to be running a bunch of trick plays off of those off of those. And I know a lot of people would point out leak, but that's not really it's not really necessarily a trick play. That's that's a, that's a very basic Shanahan McVeigh system, which is what the Bears are running.
0: You mean tight end leak, right? Like the the one from the first yes. preseason game? Just making right, sure. Right. One hundred percent. Yeah i I can't get a sense for it. Because on one hand, Brandon, it feels like we're looking at very stale game plans. But on the other hand, it's the preseason. So I guess I would take it from like either direction here, whether it's positive or negative. And I've just decided that I'm waiting for the regular season, which, of course, may not be any better because they're going up against a very, very talented defense week one. But either way. Well, one, yeah.
1: One thing that I would say is when you're talking about Justin Fields and when he's in the game you're, you're going to have specific plays that are going to be tailored to his game that they're not going to be implementing him when they have they – have, they're not planning on him starting at all. So they wouldn't be implementing those plays. So those aren't plays that you would see at all during, during the preseason. When you would see those is if, say, they sat him out for a little while and then planned on playing him after the bye – and they implemented those plays during the bye and the week leading up to that next game. That's when you would see those. So you are going to be looking at a lot of vanilla plays, especially when when Justin Fields is in
0: there. You know, it's funny you talk about that, though, because I feel like a lot of Justin Fields' favorite offensive concepts from Ohio State are in this offense. Fields has run Mesh probably four, maybe five times. He didn't do it once this game, but he's done it, yeah, I think twice in each of the first two games. And he loves Smash. We've seen some Smash concepts. We've seen a whole lot of Fields' favorite concepts from OSU carried over. So it does feel like the offense is almost – Look, I don't want to say primed for Fields to jump right in, but Nagy definitely didn't leave Net or Fields out when it came to designing this offense. So who's to say when he's going to jump in? But I, de- I definitely got the impression after watching this game, as much as I want Fields to play ASAP, I feel like this offensive line is almost not ready for Fields to be there, more so than Fields not ready to be in that moment. Does that make any sense?
1: Uh, I, I think that 100%, but I mean, with fields, I think it's a little bit of a combination of the both of the both. The offensive line is 100% not ready for him at all. But I also think, I mean, you, you see little parts of him messing up the protections and whatnot. And I think those are things that he can learn on the bench without taking the licks in the game. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with him learning on the bench. Like he's not it's not going to make or break his career by him starting week one. I mean, him sitting on the bench week one and learning for five weeks. That's not going to make those five weeks where he's not playing, aren't going to make or break his his season. But what, I mean, make, make or break his career. But the things that you worry about is him being thrust into the lineup right away. And what he's thinking about the entire time is the tackles off the edge, tackles off the edge, tackles off the edge. So what he's thinking about is, is scrambling. And the nice thing about Justin Fields is he is a guy that is uber-athletic, can, can can run with the, the very best of them 4-4 four, four speed, right? But he's a pocket quarterback. He was the most oh, yeah. accurate quarterback in the draft. So what you want him to continue to be is that pocket quarterback. When you have bad tackles and you have a rookie quarterback, you're going to create bad habits that will trickle down to – later on in his career and that's just not what you want
0: and i mean to build off of that a little bit just to walk through the the highlight and probably the low light of the, of the day-to-day it's basically brandon as simple as saying yes fields can roll out of the pocket and throw a 20 yard strike to jesper horstead in the end zone it was amazing might be one of the better td throws that we've seen in years in chicago like that's awesome You want to build on that. But at the same time, it's any rookies. uh, what, What would you say? It's any it's the habit of any rookie to look at just about any play, especially the quarterback where everything kind of comes down to them to look at any play that goes wrong and ask what they could do better right and when you look at that first third down play what was it it was like third and 4 where they had Riley Ridley coming across the field on a crossing route and Justin Fields sat back for 2 seconds maybe before Jermaine Effady got danced and gave up a sack what you're saying is is that bad habits get formed when a quarterback starts thinking about that all the time and that starts to bake into Everything that they do in the NFL, whereas playing with a slightly more confident offensive line and more downfield posture just ends up creating a more dynamic quarterback. Right.
1: Right. What you want to see is him anticipating routes coming open instead of anticipating the rush. You want him to keep his eyes downfield instead of looking at the rushers, which he does amazing at. You just don't want to create those bad habits down the road. And I think going, going back to the offensive line and bringing up Larry Borum, I, I actually think that it's, he is a good example of exactly what Travis Gibson is, right? You're having, you're having a guy that you're picking later on in the draft, fifth round, with all the talent in the world, but you know he's going to have to develop because he's playing completely out of position, which is what Travis Gibson is doing. He's playing completely out of position from what he did in college. And this fits him better, right? Mm -hmm. Larry Boreham's doing the same thing. He played, he played right tackle. Now he's playing left tackle. You didn't expect anything from Travis Gibson year one. You should do the exact same with Larry Boreham. So that's exactly, you don't, you don't want a situation where you have Justin Fields at quarterback and Larry Boreham at left tackle. And that's a situation that they would be in if they started him week one, because you start him week one, there's, there's no benching him, right? So if, jason peters somehow goes out and then larry born has to come in that's the position that they're now in
0: that makes sense and hey we'll see what happens i mean suffice to say matt Nagy seems hell bent on not playing justin fields i know i reread his august 16 quote just a little while ago that's 12 days ago for what it's worth where he basically said like no I'm convinced that if we play fields too early, we're going to ruin him. And that's going to be bad for the bears and everybody else. You could say whatever you want. I'm not doing it. I remember he got pretty frustrated in the, uh, in the presser when he said it, I know I botched the quote, but either way, like I get the impression, I feel like this has to be said, right? I think fields is the better quarterback. If you evaluated the two, Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, right now, decided who to play. I think Fields is the better quarterback. I just don't know if that matters to Nagy, which is sure it's a little weird. But I, consider I don't think it's it, close. Yeah, like in terms of Fields is clearly better. Just to be clear, if you're
1: if you're if you're playing a Super Bowl tomorrow and you're deciding on which quarterback, there is no way that you're playing Andy Dalton.
0: Right, But that's exactly 100%. what the
1: Bears aren't doing. They're not, they're not playing in the Super Bowl right. tomorrow. And the, the thing that I actually love about this is it actually seems like the Bears have a set plan. It seems like he, he's hell-bent because he has a set plan, and that set plan is not for Justin Fields to play week one. Wouldn't you rather that be the case than just to throw him out there just because it, you want to? Because you're getting excited about a rookie quarterback? Or would you rather you have you have a set plan and when it makes sense, that's when you're gonna play your guy?
0: You know, it's tough. I mean, my head actually gets what you're saying. My heart, Brandon, says, Oh, but but if he threw that pass to Jesper Horstead, then what maybe maybe we find a way against the Rams. But I mean, you get the idea. That's that's really right. unlikely. And so it's I don't feel like the, the thing that's going to get complicated, we saw in the presser that, and we're going to get back Bears fans to the game and talking about the game in just a little bit, but obviously Justin Fields is the big story here, right? And Jesper Horsted specifically said, like, and I quote, that's the power of Justin Fields in relation to Justin Fields' touchdown throw, and it's at the point, Brandon, where... I am curious to see what the locker room feels like. Like, I wonder what the effort level is going to look like with Andy Dalton under center, just because not that I would ever like pretend that professional athletes aren't going to go out there and give their all. It's more to say that if the locker room is sold on fields, I wonder how long you can keep him on the bench because it's not as binary as saying that's when that's right there. Like week eight week six, so on and so forth, that's when I want to put him in. There is risk if this goes completely south of fields getting thrown in early, almost to sate the locker room, right? Or is that not how it works?
1: I mean, that's definitely how it could work. I mean, that's the last thing you want. You want everybody on the same page with with playing field because, I mean, you're the thing is, once it starts going south and the Bears start losing games, which feels inevitable just based on the roster – and based on their level of competition at the beginning of the season, like the fans, the fans are going to start calling for him to play. I mean, and first
0: incomplete pass, right? Like, Yeah, 100,
1: 100%. I mean, who knows when he, he – he, as soon as they're he already won, the first him. home game, he walked. yeah, they're already calling for him. So I, it, it's, it's a tough situation. Um, obviously, in a perfect world, you would love to play him because he's the better player. It's exciting to see him out there, but I mean, you want it also to just make sense, right? Mm-hmm. And and I I just don't see there being a negative in being safer than sorry. It feels like a lot a lot of the fan base and everybody around feels like that it will be a win if he's the starting quarterback. Like they'll somehow win some battle against Matt Nagy if he's the starting quarterback. Like, it's it's Aggie, Sean We told thing, you, soon, right?
0: Like I'll say it exactly the Deshaun Watson's first action came against the Saxonville Jaguars where he got chewed up and then he went out and played his second game. against a very good Cincinnati team. He lost both of these games. I don't think he had more than one touchdown and he looked pretty rough. Who wouldn't good defenses against a rookie early, right? I mean, that's, that's about as simple as it gets. Then Deshaun Watson obviously exploded in his rookie year and scored, I think, 19 touchdowns over the next five games. And I do think there are a lot of Bears fans thinking that, you know, if Justin Fields gets crunched up and spit out by the Rams, but he beats Cincinnati and then he gets crunched up and spit out by the Browns, he's going to hit the Lions games. And I mean, he'll be a third year quarterback by then. And I feel like he could easily be in the same place, whether he plays or not. Like, sure, he might be a little bit ahead, but he also might be a bad habit behind and they could balance each other out. I don't know either. And truth be told, Brandon, I am just more scared than anything that Justin Fields would develop a bad habit behind Sam Mustafer and Jason Peters and Jermaine, if then I am hopeful that Justin Fields would magically find a way. But then again, Russell Wilson's magically found ways for years. So I don't know. Does this make sense? If I said that, like on one hand I'm worried, but on another, I'm pretty sure Justin Fields would rise above just about anything. The bears throw at him. Is that too much hope or do you feel that too?
1: No, it's it's not at all, and I I love that you bring up Deshaun Watson and and w- Russell Wilson because he is a similar style quarterback to them. They they both of those players played behind bad off of offensive lines, but I mean, and they played amazing. But right. you got to also look at the negatives. They're two of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. They're two of the quarterbacks that scramble the earliest, that scramble around, had the had the highest. Um, Time to pass. Like, like these guys have had bad habits. Now that's not taking anything away from them. They're two of the yeah, best quarterbacks watch it in the there. NFL. <laughs> Obviously, you you hope you hope that's what you can get, right? But say say he doesn't reach his ceilings, but you still have those bad habits. That's the situation you don't want to be in.
0: Right. Right. And so yeah. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I have a feeling, Brandon, you said at the buy, I think Justin Fields is going to be in well before the buy. Heck I, mm-hmm. my money's on week four. Like if there, I think it would be ridiculous for Nagy to pull him for, or pull Andy Dalton for week two's game against Cincinnati. Cause that's just one week. Like if you were going to play Dalton for a week, barring injury, that's, that's not a plan. I think you could agree with that, but even just three weeks, I mean, one thing that actually I wouldn't mind you talking about before we get back to the actual preseason game and maybe a little bit on the 53 man roster do tell me this. Okay. So Matt Nagy and the Chicago bears are planning around week one, right? They're going to go up against some of the best talent that the NFL has to offer defensively, like Aaron Donald, obviously Jalen Ramsey and plenty of other really solid NFL defenders, but they're also changing defensive coordinators and we've heard it before every defensive coordinator that takes over a really good defense says the same line well i'm really not going to change much just like a little bit and then all of a sudden the bears 2018 defense goes from cover two to cover three overnight who knew right it if it was you Would you say that there is some truth to the idea that throwing a rookie in against a defense, you don't even have tape on could get kind of hairy. Whereas an NFL veteran, you can say, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to shoot you like four play calls. You just take a look at the defense and kind of pick from there because we're going to feel this out as we go. We don't really know what they're going to do.
1: Right. Because you can, the thing is with Andy Dalton for better or worse for the player, I'm not a big fan of his regardless. He is a veteran. So it doesn't matter who the who the defensive coordinator is that's on the Rams, he will have seen that defense, those coverages, those blitzes, no matter what they throw at him. For Fields, that is just not the case at all. The NFL style defenses and the college style defenses right now could not be any further apart than what they are right now. It's never, it's never in the history of football been further apart than what it is right now. And that only will continue to spread over time until the NFL starts embracing more of the tight front,
0: which makes sense. I mean, to pick an example for bears fans to go look at, if you go find any all 22 from the bears or from Ohio state's game against Clemson, you're going to see this really, I think it's unusual. You could tell me whether you like it or not, but it's a three safety defense where all the time it kind of imitates a cover three defense sometimes, but they've got, what are three real safeties up there with two cornerbacks on the edge? That's more the stuff Fields is used to than standard one high, two high defenses, where when you run, say, smash on the outside in college, if the guy fades backwards, you throw it underneath. And if the guy obviously cheats up underneath on the little hook route they always run, you you drive the ball. But I saw today that fields actually saw the guy break back on that shorter route where normally he would have thrown it to that, to again, the shorter curl on a smash concept. And so fields actually looked into the middle of the field for more of like a spot route over the middle and picked up six yards because in the NFL You can't just casually run smash and expect that defender to not have the speed to break back and potentially pick you off. It's a different game from college to the NFL. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with just raw defensive talent, right?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And when you're talking about plays like smash, you're talking about the most basic plays, in, in football, I, I played, I ran smash when I was in high school. It's my favorite play in college. We ran smash in the NFL. They run smash. I'm sure there's some pop Warner leagues that they run smash. And the thing is like the, these, the, the NFL defense, they they've also seen it they're in a lives, but the, exactly. But at the NFL speed, they've seen it. Justin Fields has not run smash can with a, a lot of reps against the number one defense continuous times so those are the reps that he those are the reps that he needs and you could argue yeah that's why he needs them. that's why he needs to go in but it's like why, why can't he what are wrong with the, the reps in practice the reps in practice they do count those are reps I, I I know everyone doesn't doesn't love him but he's going he is going against number one defense and that's what he'll do when he's the quarterback too he will be going against the number one defense every single game right? He'll be, he'll be running the same play concepts that dealers other teams run, but he'll get to run them continuously and he'll get those reps in those reps matter.
0: Right. I mean, again, I feel like we can't make this clear enough, right? There is always the chance that fields goes in on week one and just surprises everyone, right? Like if fields was to play, let's make it clear what we're talking about. If fields was to play, There's always the chance that he does exactly what fans say that he would do and just goes in there and blows up, but also there is risk. And it's just a matter of assessing that risk. Matt Nagy has obviously made it clear what his plan is, which is to not take that risk and wait a couple of weeks. And I'm with you as long as it doesn't cost them, say the Cincinnati game, the Lions game a fighting chance against the Raiders. I'm on board with this. And it's not even that wins and losses matter that much. It's that I think fields could win those games and start building based off of them, but that's all conjecture. It, it's to some degree, all just a matter of patience and making sure Justin Fields at the end of the year is who we want him to be. Wouldn't you say? 100,
1: percent I like, I can, I feel like I've never been more positive with the Bears set plan and what they have going moving forward. We're we're playing we're playing for 2023. We're not playing for 2021. We're not playing for 2022 even though 2022 does sound nice. Uh, the, you, we're, we're playing for 2023. Brandon, and, I think and, you're the so only on. I think you're
0: the only Bears fan that's positive about this current plan. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> having,
1: <laughs> having a plan and having a quarterback are the only things I care about.
0: I tell you, I'm deeply ambivalent. Like, I think I'm on the week four train, but it's purely because I keep having nightmares of Aaron Donald hitting fields. But I also can't tell if I'm just, what is it, being being a scared fan instead of being brave. <laughs> but I also know that bravery can bravery can get you hit. <laughs> and so as long as fields can adjust protection and call Ringo when he needs to, to slide the line right, <laughs> like thumbs up for me, but we we don't have a good rep. On tape of him doing that quite yet, though, to be totally fair, right before we go to the break, one thing I was really excited about, I don't know if you saw this too, but with basic stuff like the stick route they ran, simple Omaha curls, it felt like this was the first game we've seen fields do the more basic standard plays, which again, I'm not about to sit here and clap and say, Bravo, he ran an Omaha route in the NFL, but it's more (laughs) to say that I did like the fact that it wasn't quite as much just like play action or nobody's open, it was a lot more of the short stuff that he would do on a Sunday instead of just preseason ball. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, 100%. Because a lot of what you what you saw in the first two games was him rolling out of the pocket. You didn't get to see him a lot. And, I mean, sorry, rolling out in, like, food action, play action, you didn't really get to see him in three-step drops where he's, he's finding the man and, and hitting it within rhythm. And that's what you want to do. You want to see him. As soon as his third step hits, him hitch forward and, and throw the ball. And, that, and, that, and that's, that's exactly what you want to see. That's exactly what I felt like you saw in the day. Even if the, some of the balls came out maybe came out a little bit high, it, it, you saw improvements. And at the end of the day, that's, just, that's what you want to see. That's what the coaches see every week that the fans don't necessarily get to see. And that's what makes the fans so anxious. But, I mean, these little glimpses are, are, are what the, the fans need to hold on to.
0: Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I mean, Justin Fields is going to play probably by the end of October. I mean, at least, right, if not mid-October or earlier, but we will just have to see. After this, Brandon, let's talk through everything else besides Justin Fields, 53-man roster, who impressed, who didn't, so on and so forth. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, it's me, Robert Schmitz, and as the Bears season gets started, I wanted to tell you about a brand new way to play daily fantasy called Thrive that we've partnered with. Imagine a daily fantasy game centered entirely around player props rather than standard fantasy keepers and sleepers. Instead of having to hunt for that third-string receiver you just know is going to score three touchdowns this week, Thrive gives you 20 player props to choose from and asks you a simple question. Is Allen Robinson going to haul in over 65 yards this week or under? Choose your 10 props, rack up the most points, and win a share of the prize pool. That's your chance to win a piece of $100,000 for NFL Week 1 in their featured $20 entry contest with 20 dollars to first place. And the best part? When you sign up today and use promo code SCHMITZ, that's S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, Thrive will match your first deposit up to $100 to double your money. So don't sleep on this. Download Thrive Fantasy today on the App Store or Google Play Store or visit www.thrivefantasy.com and sign up today. Happy propping and go Bears. And we are back with Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network, here with Brandon Robinson to talk through the Bears, Big win. Nick Foles led win. Jesper Horstead led win over the Tennessee Titans. That puts them to two and one in the preseason heading into the next one. Brandon, let's talk people that surprised you, people you think are on the roster and everything they're in. Who did you see today that you were like, wow, I really didn't expect that? I
1: mean, mean, if you're talking about the the most outstanding player that I saw today who I wasn't expecting to see – would have been Eddie Goldman. I mean, he looked he looked legitimately unblockable. And with the Bears switching to now a tight front, his, his his value will never be higher than what it is now. So, I mean, obviously they thought they felt or he felt that he needed the reps. And to me, it doesn't look like he needs the reps at all. He looks in, he looks in mid-season form, which is which is a great thing, but besides the obvious of a good player playing well, I I mean we've already talked about Travis Gibson, but I mean I, I can't I can't be any more excited. I mean, you got a, you got a young player in Darnell Mooney playing an important position, ready for a breakout season. And now you got Travis Gibson. And the, the thing is about Travis Gibson, when I was talking about him being switching positions, when he played in college, he was playing as a five-tech or a four-eye, which means he was playing more of like the Roy Robertson. Harris role. Like he was, he was playing that role in college,
0: the interior just to make like, sure we're clear, yes, right? Ex-
1: exactly. He was playing more like a keen Hicks than he was. And at the position he is now. So for him, for him, what you wanted to see is him develop over time. And I, I mean, you can, there is notable, notable size. There's notable balance. He just, if you just watch, watch his stance from last year and then watch it this year, just his stance alone before the balls even snapped. You can see how much more comfortable he is because in college, he was never in a two point stance. He, he, he was all, he was always in a three point stance. He was usually inside of the tackle, but now he's switching to a two point stance primarily. And you're really seeing it. The flashes that you saw of him in college, you saw the burst you saw the bend and i mean those are the the thing is with late round guys is you, you want to see high level traits and that's exactly what you see from him the biggest thing from him is you see him leaning and ripping and you see you see you see the flexibility you see the bend you see the balance and those are things that are not normal those are not not things that you see at a normal edge rushers. If they didn't Let have fourth Mack, round
0: edge rushers, just to call it out,
1: fifth round, yeah. If yeah, you didn't, if, if you if, if you didn't, if they didn't have Khalil Mack, you'd be like, this guy's a, this guy's an animal. This guy's a mutant. They don't have a guy like <laughs> that. And so, if, if he can continue to build on, I think the biggest thing is going to be getting him reps this season. I ho- I hope they're able to give him as many reps as possible. I think it's going to be really hard because that position opposite of Clay Mack is going to have to be very, very versatile, which is, I mean, he, he's going from playing in the interior. He has to work on one thing at a time. Right. So I think that's, that's the thing that is, is only going to come with time and he'll probably get some third down rushes, which will fit him a lot better. But I mean, when you're, when you're talking about seeing flashes and talking about, you're building for 2023. I mean, those are things that you love to see because he plays a very, very vital position on this team. And seeing that they're probably going to get rid of Robert Quinn next year, I mean, if he can possibly fill that role going into next year and they can save cap space, I mean, that that's best case scenario for the Bears.
0: Saving cap space at edge would be absolutely massive. I mean, a couple other guys that I thought personally played pretty doggone well. I thought Rodney Adams looked yet again like somebody that is worthy of a roster spot. I'm curious to hear what you think about that, but we'll get there later. I felt like the Kendall Vildor kind of struggled Duke Shelley. I have really, really big questions about because he was even still playing into the fourth quarter. And from what I understood, he was the bears starting nickel and it better not be Marky Christensen. Cause that's not any better, but <laughs> maybe the bears will figure their nickel spot out one of these days. Maybe they'll look for a cut. I don't know. But, I also felt like, obviously, Jesper Horstead maximized his opportunity, to say the least. Jesse James didn't play. God, I think he made the roster. Wouldn't surprise me if the Bears take four tight ends, and traditionally they use one on special teams. So Horstead may also have his spot locked up, but always good to see a young player develop. And I really loved your Larry Borum comparison with uh, Travis Gibson that he may be somebody that has the tools and just needs a little bit more time before he's really ready to take a role on the NFL or like on an NFL field. And certainly as a fifth round rookie, that wouldn't be outside of things. Was there anybody specifically positive or negative that stuck out to you in this game besides the very obvious fields and starting offensive line?
1: Well, I mean, with the amount of optimism I have with fields and quarterback position and never being as optimistic as I am right now with that position, I cannot be the exact opposite and be as negative as I've ever been with a cornerback position. I, I just I, I don't see what they're gonna do. I, I I really worry because I love Jalen Johnson and I hope he can develop into a really, really good number two cornerback because that's what he looks like. But with his injury concerns and having absolutely nobody that can play worth of anything opposite of him. Or Don't you say that the, on
0: this podcast <laughs> or in
1: the nickel or opposite of Eddie Jackson at safety. I, I just, I, I think this is, this is a very, very poor secondary. And I I'm glad the front seven is awesome because they are right. But right. I mean, Duke Shelley has disappointed over and over and over and over again. And I, 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 I don't, I don't see how he can disappoint anymore to where they just don't add somebody. I don't understand how they don't add somebody off of the street at this point to fill in that nickel spot, because it looks like he's going to be the starting nickel. And if that's the case, they're in big trouble. And then you talk about Kendall Vildor, and I think he could, he could develop into that nickel spot. But when he's not getting reps, that's not going to happen. So you got him playing opposite of there. They're playing in a they're playing in a zone defense. He is a press, a short press man corner. So those teams, those two things just don't mess well together. Um so I I, I just think they're they're in big trouble. They're in big trouble at defensive back, specifically corner. Um if we're if we're gonna talk about the brights, uh, more bright spots besides the offsides, I thought Mario Edwards again flashed. He has he he gets off the. It seems like he's the first person off the ball every single time, and that may be because he's guessing the snap, but I don't think so. He just looks like that explosive athlete. And when you're talking about backups to Blau Nichols and Akeem Hicks, that's exactly the kind of guy you want. Yep. You want a guy. You want a guy that's just gonna make plays. As a backup, you can, we want a guy that's just going to burst off the ball and make those explosive plays because you you have your all-around good players in Akeem Hicks, Malal Nichols, and a- Eddie Goldman. For your backups, you want guys that are come in, are going to come in on third down, third and long, second and long, obvious pass rushing downs, and you want them to get off the ball and go make plays, and that's exactly the kind of guy Mario Edwards is.
0: I'm really curious to see you talk about defensive linemen. I'm really curious to see what they do with Snowden because I feel like Snowden's not had by any means like a bad camp or a bad preseason. And yet it feels like he's on a team that may not have room for him. This Charles Snowden for anybody who hasn't paid attention. Number 49. I feel like the trouble that Snowden is walking into is that with Jeremiah Atucho and Travis Gibson and Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, they would have to justify Snowden as a special teamer, or he'd have to clear waivers. If he's going to make a bears practice squad or let alone the roster I feel like the roster may not be in the cards for the UDFA what do you think
1: I would assume that he would clear waivers and and end up on the practice squad I can't I can't see him ending up on anybody's active roster really um because he's he's such a raw player and I mean he's one of those guys like Travis Gibson but in the complete opposite way Travis Gibson was an interior player in college And and he Charles Snowden is more of a like he he played a lot more coverage, uh, he played a more a a lot over more plays at overhang. He he is one of those versatile guys that you're going to be looking for in this defense. He just needs a ton of time to develop because to me, he looks like he's like 20, 220 pounds, he's very, very light in the pants. You saw him get taken advantage of basically when when Taylor Luan was blocking him and he couldn't hold the edge. I mean, and that's fine. I mean, he's going to have that time to develop, especially when he's on the practice squad. I mean, that, he, again, you want him to end up on the practice squad, so he's going against the first-team offense, and he's getting those reps every single day and developing. And then during the off season, that's where he can truly, truly build and gain weight because you don't, you don't gain weight during the season. It doesn't really happen because you're you're spending too much time on the field for that to happen.
0: No way. I have to go back to the CB setup. Like we talked about DBs. I feel like we need to go back there. I think the hardest part about this defensive back room to me is that the word that comes to mind is unfair. It's almost like Jalen Johnson is a perfectly good cornerback two, but he's having to play cornerback one and that, that may skew perception of him. And another guy, Kendall Vildor, I think out of the fifth round, you talked about how he's a short press man corner. Sure. I mean, hey, you're not wrong, but also I feel like a fifth rounder being a very good depth corner option, that's really not so bad. And yet he may get pressed into the starting lineup. We haven't seen Desmond Trufant play a snap in the preseason, but everybody else has Khalil Mack included. I mean it feels like there's a ton to worry about. And I didn't even mention Duke Shelley who, Hey, not every sixth rounder hits that's super normal. And (laughs) Shelley looks like just a standard dude. You know, I feel like whether it is like post cut surgery that's gonna happen, but based on whoever the Ravens let go of, other teams around the league that may let a nickelback walk out the door or what. Like this Bears defensive back unit needs help, if not bodies. Cause I feel like all of them are overpromoted right now. I mean, do you think so? I mean, my
1: my issue with the cornerback room is I'm fine with, with Jalen Johnson just as a corner. And when I say cornerback too, it, it really just means that like he has the same about he will have the same amount of value as the next corner they have because the thing is they're playing in his own defense which means he's going to be on the left or right side and he's going to only play on the left or right side, right? He's not going to mm-hmm. be switching sides, not going to be following the number one receiver on the left side. He's going to be on one side and he's going to be in zone coverage. That's, that's, that's how that works. He might get a couple of reps on third down or whatever following guys, but He's a majority of the time going to be on one side. So you talk about the other guys and the thing that's so disappointing is besides Jalen Johnson, who's locked in, they don't have another guy that's a young guy that's developing that I think is a true outside corner. They have Kendall Bildor, right? They have Duke Mm -hmm. Shelley and they have Thomas Graham, right? Those are awesome. Three late round guys. Even if I don't think Duke Shelley's good, those three late round guys. Graham has been up and down
0: to say the least. I mean, he'll, right. need, he'll always need time because he's not crazy athletic, but it's not as if you're looking at that sixth rounder either and being like, he's the future just yet.
1: Right, but the thing is, those are, those are late-round picks, young guys that could have that opportunity to develop at one spot, right? But they don't have another true outside young guy that can develop. They're putting Kendall Vildor... What you want to do with with your with your guys as a coach, you want to put your guys in the best positions to win. Having Kimdo Vildor outside in a zone defense is not giving him his best <laughs> chance to win, right? If anything, you just want him to sit and develop a nickel and take the lumps because in the long run, two years down the road, you that's where you would want him. You would want him as your starting nickel. He has the traits. To be that sturdy nickel. So why don't you develop him there and find a young corner that can truly play outside, but they just they don't have anybody. Desmond Trufant has proven to be un, unreliable these last couple of years. He's proving it again in camp. They just they they need another they need another guy. I mean, it doesn't seem like they like Trey Roberson that well, which isn't which isn't overly surprising. Uh, I'm glad they took a chance on him, but these things just happen. They, so I would, I would love to see them poach someone from another team, maybe make a, a, a trade where you're trading a, a fifth round pick for a, a sixth conditional to pick up a, another corner. Because, I mean, the cornerback room, regardless, is going to take their lumps. I would rather them take their lumps with young guys that truly fit their positions.
0: Which makes sense to me. And it's interesting to talk about DB stuff because I do feel like the bears are convinced that Kendall door is an outside future, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that the issue right now is that they don't seem to have a nickel. And I mean, I don't get I don't blame prioritization there that, hey, if you got to pick between trying a guy at outside corner and trying a guy at nickel, that if you think that they'd be similar leveled players at each, you'd rather take the outside corner, given the Bears don't have any. But I digress. Let's get to put in in one
1: more. One more thing to put in perspective, the nickel position and why it's so important. In this new defense, the nickel is going to be on the field 75% of the time. So, say they had a starting nickel like Bryce Callahan, and he stayed healthy all 16 games, say he was on this team, right? He would be playing more snaps than Eddie Goldman. He That position is more valuable than Eddie Goldman's position. I just said how Eddie Goldman has never been more valuable than what he is right now. That nickel position is more valuable than his spot, and they just don't have anybody. Nope.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think my, I, I, what scared me the most Brandon watching through the bills tape, which I did too many times to going to be honest there was that I didn't see Duke Shelley or Marquis Christensen, the two nickels that they played in the first half at the very least alongside Eddie Jackson alongside Khalil Mack alongside Jalen Johnson, like you would assume the starters, right? I didn't see them make a positive impact on like maybe one play put together, but that's a maybe like the trouble is is that Shelley has this pot, or this tendency to drift backwards into no man's land and then not break on anything. So it's as if he's not even really there. And Christensen just generally gets beat. He seems to have a better sense for where he's supposed to be, but he doesn't have the talent for that to matter. Does does that make sense? Does this feel like a decent read on the two?
1: No, 100%. I mean, Duke Shelley consistently doesn't show good zone eyes, which is I mean, that, that position, that overhang spot in this defense, I mean, that's exactly what you can't have. You can't have bad zone eyes and a zone defense playing that overhang position because a lot of times he's, he's going to be accepting routes that go through his zone and he has to pass them off or he has to take them. And if he doesn't, he doesn't accept those routes and pass them off, you leave gaping holes in your defense
0: like you saw last game. Right. And, and it was nasty, to say the least. Let's go through some lightning round stuff to try to see if we can't nail down the 53-man roster. First of all, what do you think the Bears do with kicker Brian Johnson, who's apparently been nothing but great?
1: Uh, unfortunately, I think they're going to have to, they're probably going to try to get him on the, the practice squad. I don't know if he'll, he'll make it through
0: waivers, but yeah, that's probably what they'll end up doing. Makes sense. If you had to pick one, Rodney Adams or Riley Ridley, I would take Adams for what it's worth.
1: Man, I honestly that's that's tough for me because when when I see Riley Ridley, it's tough because Rodney no. Adams looks a whole lot. He he looks. It's 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 a lot easier to be optimistic about Rodney Adams just because this is his first year with the team. And it, it's, it's really easy to be sour with Riley Ridley. But my thing is, it, it's, so, it's so easy to tell the talent difference between the two. So I would probably rather have Riley Ridley on the team. But either way, I, I, I wouldn't be upset.
0: <laughs> I sounded like I just about stumped you there. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you really did. Danny Trevathan, given that he played tonight, but Alec Ogletree did not staying or going
1: uh they save like 500,000 and they actually incur
0: 500,000 just so you know but they right. take five thousand, or they take five mil off of next year's cap by cutting him
1: right but it, but they could always just cut him next year before before the season so, so so keep him yeah I don't I don't I don't see any huge benefit to cutting him I wish Now, say if they saved even two or three million this year, and they could roll that cap space over, I would I would gladly do that. But the thing is, they can cut him before the season next year, and it's the same the same ordeal. So I would rather just keep him on the team, and then he can be he can be a glorified backup if they count Alec Ogletree as a starter. And I'm I'm sure he would still be the same later.
0: Makes sense. Is there a cut that you think will happen? that will surprise people? I'm kind of um, thinking no, if this helps you at all, that I feel like it could be pretty ho-hum.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like people think that Ryan Nall is somehow going to make the team still, and I, I just don't see that being the case with Jesse James um, defining a role on this team and, and getting Damian Williams and now drafting Cleo Herbert, who the team seems high on. I mean, I guess Ryan Nall. I mean, but that's, I mean, that's about it. It's, it's nothing, nothing is substantial. He's, he's not a substantial piece. Uh, That's, that's probably about it. I I don't see any, anything else. Definitely not on the defensive side.
0: Honestly, I really feel like the big camp battle that came down to it is Riley Ridley versus Rodney Adams. I don't mean to be mm-hmm. almost simple, but the bears deep. let's put it this way. The bears aren't so crazy deep that somebody like Trey Roberson has stood out where other bears have not right. Like they, you in theory could say, that a not-deep Bears team should be ripe for roster turnover, but this is the NFL. I mean, the best 53 are a very different class than the best, like, the next 30. You know, and it feels like we've been able to really see that. I mean, Foles is obviously going to stay on the roster, but I feel like just about everybody that he's throwing to and being blocked like by is probably gone. Though I feel like one guy that, good, granted, he's a seventh rounder this year. He was never going to get cut. I do feel like Kyrus Tonga has been pretty impressive this preseason. Like I've liked him a lot more than I anticipated to like a seventh rounder, but outside of that, it feels like it's been pretty much exactly what we expected.
1: Right, right, right. I was a little high on Kyris Tonga just because he played in a tight front at BYU and he was, to me, he was clearly their best defensive player. So I thought that there was some optimism for him to make the team and hopefully develop in a role down the road. And I, I, I think you see that. I think one surprising cut that I didn't think of that, I mean, this could possibly happen would be Thomas Graham. I mean, they might try to sneak him through the waivers and try to get him on the practice squad. I think okay. it would be better to just keep him on the roster versus trying to, I mean, you're deciding between like Marky Christensen and, and him. I mean, that I would rather choose a young guy, but I wouldn't be overly surprised because Marky Christensen does have some special teams value. Right. So I wouldn't and, be surprised if that happened.
0: And Hey, we can say it out loud, right? A lot of it would come down to the, like the meeting room stuff, you know, like, is Thomas Graham showing up to all the meetings on time? Does he seem like he wants to get better? Do the coaches feel like he's got an upward trajectory based on, let's again, let's be real, Brandon, more than just three films of preseason game, right? Like, yeah. they've got film on film on film on film on film in the practice room. So what do they think? And you're right. I mean, hey, if they think he just doesn't have it, like a 2019 opt out. Th- that got drafted in 2020 would make a lot of sense. Or I think I got those backwards, a 2020 opt out 2021 draftee. Like that's not that surprising a cut, but it would be pretty surprising given that Kairos Tonga made it and Graham didn't. We'll have to see what happens, but overall, it feels like the 53s relatively set. So at this point, it's just a matter of waiting things out. Brandon, if you were going to close with anything, whether it's Justin Fields, the offensive line, anything else, what you got?
1: Uh, I, I think this is just, this is, this is a specific game where you, you got to take, you got to take the good with Justin Fields, but you got to take the same patience with that as well. Because this, this coaching staff and this front office, everybody seems like they have a set plan and that is to be patient with Fields. It doesn't matter how many splash plays he has. I, I think who, that uh, the announcer, uh, Charles, um, I'm blanking on his name. He's really great. Um, but the announcer for the,
0: the game, the guy in the booth. The Madden um, guy. Like, yeah, that's yeah, all yeah, I yeah. know. I think it's Charles Thompson, <laughs> right? No,
1: no, no. <laughs> no, that's not his
0: name. But uh, he,
1: he said that the Bears want – the, Bear, the Bears want Justin Fields to play well. Charles Davis, that's his name. The Bears want Justin Fields to play good, but they don't want him to play too good because they want everybody to, to be on the same plan as them, which I, I I think is justifiably so. I mean, after all these years of a bad quarterback play, I think it's better to be safe than sorry. Now, I mean, I I love these flashes. I hope he continues to grow. I'm sure he's a guy that I think personally is going to get a lot of work in practice and he's going to get a lot. He's going to take a lot from it and he's going to be able to learn on the sideline. This isn't his first time doing this. At Georgia, he was the backup quarterback. He sat on the sidelines. He had to learn. So this is going to be a similar role to what he's done before.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at the end of the day the way that i keep coming back to it brandon is that i am not going to be the person who whether justin field starts week four whether justin field starts week nine whether justin field starts week 16 i'm not going to look back and say the rams game that one he, we could have won it maybe <laughs> sure but I feel I really do feel like a couple weeks on the bench could be, like you said, better safe than sorry. At the end of the day, I feel like Justin Fields is the most confident I've been about a Chicago Bears quarterback, maybe ever. Like, really. I and that's hard to say because when I was younger, I was obnoxiously confident about Jay Cutler, and he never really rewarded that faith, unfortunately. But uh looking now, I do feel like what I keep coming back to is Matt Nagy is. Hellbent on doing this his way. And how is that surprising? Matt Nagy has been almost hellaciously stubborn, if nothing else, during his time in Chicago, for better or for worse. And so at this point, given that the Bears let him into Nagy's hands, I'm willing to just ride this out and say, okay, Matt Nagy, this is a bold move. Like Urban Meyer, whose offense looks terrible, is playing. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and Robert Saleh is playing Zach Wilson, though. I don't know if the GM ever really gave him a choice because he doesn't have a second quarterback. He could shield him behind. But we don't know about Mac Jones and Cam Newton on which one's playing. I feel like Mac's going to come into the game sooner than we think. I feel like Lance may take a second. Who knows what Kyle Shanahan's is going to do with his prize. But with Justin Fields, like all other four be darned. I agree with you we're pushing for 2023 here like that's the super bowl to next year compete be better than people think you're going to be 2023 really try to win it that means that all he's got to do this year is get good reps and develop well and i guess is it is it too reductionist Brandon to say I believe in Justin Fields beyond his accuracy. I believe in the way he thinks about processes and consumes the game. And because I believe in that, I honestly think he could get shockingly good reps from watching Dalton get annihilated and however many games it takes because he was in those meeting rooms and he saw the way that they wanted to go about game planning. And he saw what Andy did. And he, he looked at the tablets and talked through it with Andy on the sidelines and went through all that mental processing and did just about everything except snap the ball himself. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, when, when he's sitting, when he's sitting in the meeting room with John DeFilippo and, and Andy Dalton and DiFilippo is telling Andy Dalton, hey, we want you to, to slide up. And I know the tackles are, are are giving away pressure every single time, but what we need you to do is we want you to slide in the pocket and, and we want you to try your hardest to, to keep your eyes downfield. And Justin Fields gets to take that in, take that in, see those reps, see where he don't, maybe doesn't keep his eyes downfield, see the reps where he does keep his eyes downfield and fully take it in. And then when he gets when he gets in there, he's, he's run through those mental reps a thousand times, Seen, seen any Dalton do or not keep his eyes downfield. And now he's thinking in his head, yes, keep, keep, keep my eyes downfield side in the pocket, side in the pocket, instead of going through those by himself and seeing, seeing the guys come from the sideline. I mean, what, one of the things that I think of a guy, a guy, a guy that, I mean, you're talking about Sam Donald. You saw him see those exact, like he went through this exact thing, poor offensive line. And then he was eventually seeing ghosts and that's his own quote. He was ghosts. the 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 one thing that you don't want to do is put Justin Fields in a position where he, he's gonna end up seeing ghosts.
0: I couldn't agree more. And now it's just a matter of surviving, Brandon. Maybe the longest feeling wait we've had in Bears. I, I'm not gonna say history. That's like. <laughs> Probably being way too callous with it'll a very feel like long it. it'll history.
1: definitely feel like it for the fans.
0: That's the it'll thing. feel
1: like the longest way,
0: honestly. Even just getting to September 5th is going to be long enough, but oh my <laughs> gosh, Brandon, that Rams game, especially if it's a beatdown, is going to feel like it's seven hours long, like that. Oh man, but. We will have to get there when we get there. Bears 53-man roster coming next Tuesday here in a couple days by, I think, 3 p.m., last thing Lester told me. We'll see if that's true. But we will know who our Chicago Bears are in 2021, and we will get to see if Matt Nagy's plan works. Brandon, thanks so much for jumping on. Where can folks find you online?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. You can find me at Twitter, at b NFL. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Man, anytime. I will see you hopefully later this week to talk through the game after we've watched it again. Until then, (laughs) folks, that is going to do it for this episode. If you like the show, be sure to hit me up on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R O B E R T K S C H M I T Z with thoughts, opinions on the show. And of course, be sure to stay tuned in, not just through the rest of this week, but throughout the rest of the season for more news updates, opinion, and tons and tons of new content. Thanks so much for hanging out, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.